much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford, and it is my exclusive privilege to be here with a bivocational, brilliant woman of God. Pastor yeah. Takoa is a pastor with her husband, is that right, in Florida? And then she's also fully in the marketplace, y'all. She is brilliant. She is an entrepreneur. She knows how to do the savvy business deals. She was just doing some today. Um, I'm so impressed. <laughs> And it's just such a joy to get to know her a little bit more. I met her at the 3W Summit and I said, I got to get to know her. So we're all just going to grab our little cup of coffee and listen. So wherever you are, just cuddle up with a blanket, be a part of this conversation. Um, and I'll give you context. So uh, today we are talking about implicit bias in some of our racial issues and why this is close to my heart. So when I was an undergrad, I genuinely thought there were no race issues. I grew up in a very predominantly African white area, and I didn't know that people were rude and mean to each other. Um, I kind of grew up in a bubble. And so when I went to LA for undergrad and pursued acting um, and also sociology and psychology, then uh, through some immersion programs, the Lord started to show me um, just the inequality and some of the racial dynamics that were going on and the history and context. Um, and there's a way to do that that seems right to a man, but will lead to destruction. And so we don't want to do the arm of the flesh, uh, but we do want to honor the Lord and say, Father, if you've made every one of us in your image and every tongue, every uh, tribe and nation will bend their knee and um, honor of you because you've made each of us in your image, then how heartbreaking to say that I love God, but I don't love my neighbor. And part of loving somebody is also giving them space to be heard to let their story be validated and that they would feel recognized and seen by us. And so the Lord directed me to run for student government um, to represent the uh, diversity committee chair. And that was a whole journey of immersion of being this like super white bubble girl. And the Lord just really cultivating a heart for racial reconciliation and coming at a posture of humility to learn and to grow um, and not with this like, I'm going to solve and fix. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things God did during undergrad. One, I love revival. Two, racial reconciliation. Three, gender reconciliation. And four, denominational reconciliation. Um, and so today, Pastor Takoa is just going to share from wisdom in her experience. She does this both professionally, but also in the church of how can we recognize some of the implicit bias that's so subtle that we may accidentally be hurting some of our loved ones without even realizing it. Awesome. Well, first, I honor you, Dr. Crawford. Um, I just... I love the work that you're doing. And again, another sister, another ninja that's in both marketplace and ministry that is taking kind of biblical application and making it real in day-to-day -day life. So thank you. And I honor that you saw that need and you responded. And that's really what it's about. You know, it's having that heart and that compassion, that love for Christ, that when you see a need, when you see division, that you step in and you bring, you be that mediator, you be that ambassador of Christ and become an example of how 
how we can bring people together, regardless of their background, regardless of their economic status, regardless of their, their gender, their race. And that's what church is. That's what kingdom is. It is that one place you can come together and know you're going to be loved regardless of your past, regardless of what you don't have control of Mm -hmm. and know that you will be, you receive that love of Christ. And so that's really my heart is God, how do I um, begin to show number one, the history mm-hmm. of why we're here today. You know, when I, when I share and I speak, I use kind of that iceberg theory. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at the Titanic, the Titanic, a huge ship sunk because it hit an iceberg. And when you look at the iceberg, you see the tip of it, but the tip is very small. So you would think, how could something so small sink such a humongous ship. But if you step back and you look underneath the water, you'll see the other 90% of the iceberg. And so when we see civil unrest, when we see protests in the streets, when we see that, that, that distrust happening, we have to pull back and say, what is underneath the surface? What's happening? And so one of the things that I do and God has gifted me to do is really talk about what's underneath the surface. Let's look at the history. Let's look at how we got here. And now how do we reconcile? How do we repent? How do we bring unity and bring people back together? Um, I often think about the, in the Bible, we, we read all the time, the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. And um, when you look into the scripture, when the prodigal son returned home, the brother who was in the house the entire time and was being blessed and was being promoted and the father was there loving on him whereas the prodigal son was out and he was eating with the pigs Mm -hmm. when he came back to make reconciliation the son said to the father why are you doing this i need your attention and the father responded and said gotten my love the entire time you've been blessed But in this moment, the son needs my attention. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand that father God is saying, there are some people that are hurting. There are some of my children that are dealing with some past hurts that's been put out of the house, that's been put out in the fields. And so I still love you by me pausing to focus on this group does not mean I don't love you. It means that I want to bring my children together. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I believe that God is really using both me and you and others in the faith that understand that unity is necessary. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, We don't want to isolate and become insulated in our own Absolutely. Uh, little groups and just reinforce in our sound chamber, but really creating a curiosity and humility to hear from another perspective. Absolutely. Uh, so what are some yeah. of the stories that you would help us understand some of that iceberg? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I'll first give my own, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I grew up, grew up in poverty. Um, my parents dropped out of high school very young and, um, because of things that they had gone through and and they felt they needed to to bring money into the house and work, they dropped out of school. My grandfather was a sharecropper. And Mm -hmm. so he's from Louisiana. He worked in the cotton fields. And a lot of times we feel that we are disconnected from what was, but I'm two generations away from a sharecropper, you know? And so um, 
because of some of the economic disadvantages, my family struggled. My mom did not want to be in poverty, but because of the generational disadvantages, she was. And so growing up in poverty, I was a very um, studious young lady. I, I wanted to make good grades. And so all of my classes, I would be the only black. I would be the only black girl in my class. I was all honors, um, beta society. And even though my community was predominantly black, my classes were predominantly white. And so at a very young age, I would see the disconnect and the biases on both sides in the black community, the biases that they had toward affluent white individuals. And I would see the biases that the white affluent individuals would have on black people of poverty. And I was kind of in the crossroads, like, wait a minute, it's not that way. It's not that way. And so um, I didn't know that was called bias. But when I left out of that environment and went to college, I wanted to be an attorney. And so I studied law. I took a love for juvenile delinquency and I began to study juvenile delinquency. But what hurt me in my study, Dr. Crawford, was that there was a huge disproportion in kids, black and brown kids in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. And so whereas, and even today, um, African-American children make up about um, 30% of the population or 21% of the population, they make up over 60% of the population in the criminal justice system. And that, that, that bothered me. I, I wanted to dig deeper and find out why is this the case. And so as I began to study on biases that we have towards certain groups of people that even sometimes are unconscious. In my training, I show pictures. So I'll show a picture of a car that's a certain color and has certain rims and tires. And I'll say to the audience, describe the driver. And immediately I say, oh, black, Hispanic, what type of music is playing rap? And I'll show another picture. This is a pickup truck with a Confederate flag describe the driver. And so there's these unconscious biases that we have before we even meet individuals, just based on what we've learned through experience or media. And so I really want to get to the, to the core of breaking down those biases. And so as I did my research and study, I started doing a lot of contract work with Department of Juvenile Justice mm -hmm. and really understanding the walls that were built up and getting to the core of why we are here today. And so as a result of that, God allowed me to travel all over the U.S. Um, and eventually start working with the National Criminal Justice Training Center where I go in and I train police officers, I train judges, I train probation officers, I train individuals that work in communities of color, be it a nonprofit. And so it has been my life's mission and work for over two decades now. And one of the stories I'll share with you really briefly is I partnered with the local Orange County um, Sheriff Office in my city as I was doing trainings throughout the US. And so the sheriff said, I wanna do a, a year long program where we can go in and train not just the youth that are in at risk um, high crime communities, but I wanna train the law enforcement officers that work there. Mm -hmm. And here's what we discovered. We had law enforcement officers coming out of the police academy that had only been in white neighborhoods and had never been in black neighborhoods, but were told to patrol 
black neighborhoods. And so all these biases rush in. If you've never been in that community, you're now moving off of what you've seen on the media, what you've heard, what you've been told, it, you know, and so they're now thrown into this environment. And so we did a lot of training on getting them to understand the communities they were working. A lot of times we are in these positions of power, but we're not really in the trenches working with the people that we serve. And so I created a program where law enforcement were able to get into the communities that they were serving to get to know the moms, get to know the grandparents, get to know the youth. And so when we began this program, Dr. Crawford, there was such, and they were honest, there was such a negative connotation associated with these communities. Mm -hmm. And those communities had negative associations for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. But after a year, we were able to bridge the gap. And I would, so with the program, it was a full four-prong approach. We would have everyone come together once a month mm -hmm. to do like these community conversations. As a result, I had police officers bringing Power Rangers to kids. <laughs> I had grandmothers walking in with pound cakes for police officers they would never talk to. But it takes time. It takes yeah. compassion. Yeah. And so as a result of that, that time and really building and breaking down those biases, those communities of colors began to see law enforcement for who they are, which was there to serve. And those police officers are able to see the communities of colors for their need. And we built a bridge. And I am a pastor. I'm a woman of God. And I believe that the anointing that's on my life that's in the church is cross-functional. It goes wherever I go. And I believe that in me working with them, it wasn't just the book knowledge. It was also the anointing yes. and the love of God to bring us together. Absolutely. So if you've done that at a macro level, how could somebody do it at a micro level? What are little low stakes things that we could do to be thoughtful and generous and hospitable to other people around us? Great question. Thank you so much. I would say first um, is C. See, hmm. a lot of times people want to step out, you know, they, they want to be a part of the solution and service allies. And one of the responses I hear is, oh, I'm colorblind. So I would say walk away from that term. Don't be colorblind. Um, as a Black woman that has been in the trenches, I want you to see my color. I want you to see my uniqueness. And if you are trying to build that bridge of unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ, don't become colorblind. Become visual about the color because there's a unique history that comes with African Americans, unlike others. We were once slaves. Mm -hmm. There were Jim Crow laws. Mm -hmm. There was redlining, you know, so there is a unique history that comes and we should not be bitter about it, but we at least want to have acknowledgement of what comes with us. So I would say the first is to see. It is important that you see the uniqueness of your brothers and sisters in Christ that may not look like you. Acknowledge it, love it, appreciate it. And then second, something so simple. Get to know someone that's not of the same ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Invite them to lunch. You know, we're in COVID time. So if you're not comfortable with lunch, do a Zoom lunch, do a breakfast. You know, I tell people when my husband and I have Christmas dinner at the house, it looks like the United Nations because we have friends of all backgrounds, all ethnicities, you know, and so, but it is intentional. We are intentional. When I host my women's conferences, I am intentional about having a very diverse panel, a very diverse list of speakers. So let's be intentional yeah. about our friendships be intentional about who we're spending time with because we'll go to work and it's very diverse you know our mm -hmm. colleagues are different colors but then we truly get into our home and we have our our dinners and invite people over it looks like us mm -hmm. 
So that's another step. Second is to begin to diversify your, your circle. And what we will find out is we're all the same. Yeah. We're all the same. We're all the same. And so I would strongly suggest stepping outside of your comfort zone, inviting people into your safe space that don't look like you so that you can be a representation of Christ. Because Christ is, as you said, in the book of Revelation, it said at the end, he's calling all ethnicities, all languages, everyone together because he's the father of us all. Absolutely. And I love how when you get around different cultures, then I'll try to, in my heart, say, God, that's an aspect of you. I love that. I wouldn't have seen it if the kaleidoscope of every ethnicity, tribe, tongue, nation, and I've traveled the nations quite a bit. And so it's so fun to see the tapestry of God's goodness and how he's displayed beauty. And there's always brokenness. There's always pride and dysfunction and yucky stuff, but that's the flesh. That's not the inherent beauty of what he intended in that culture, people group, racial group, cultural group. And so that's where I love the joy, the discovery, the enjoyment of yeah. coming into a culture with such excitement instead Absolutely. of uh, self pro- self protection or apprehension, yeah. because yeah. we can uh, people can feel that off of us, and we can Absolutely. send out vibes without realizing yeah. it. Yeah, and you have it right behind you. You have the map. You have the globe. <laughs> you know, sometimes we got to get outside of our box yes. and really get to know other cultures and appreciate mm-hmm. the uniqueness and the difference, and be warm and welcoming to that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the warmth of African-American culture. I love that it's a loud, fun, inviting, hospitable. You are in, you are in, and you're talking about all your life and telling your story. I love, love, love. And we're very family oriented. When you're in the family, Mm -hmm. like we, we fight together. That's our theme. Like if anyone messes with you, they mess with us because mm-hmm. we believe in that family unit. And, and, and it goes back historically because that's all we had was family. When we didn't have the government for us, when we didn't have laws in place, when we didn't have legislation, we had each other. And so family unity, we have, my husband is actually Hispanic. Um, and so he learns a lot about my culture and we have what we call family reunions every year. And that again, it goes back historically because after slavery, people were dispersed, you know, in different homes and different places. And so it began years ago, we would bring families. It was a way of bringing us together and everyone coming together once a year. And so he loves that. He's like, man, I love this. So we started one with his family, you know, on his side of the family, but we're very much about family coming together and understanding the unity that we bring. And so it's important, you know, I think that you learn something from every culture and it begins with your children, right? It begins with teaching this next generation how to love beyond boundaries, um, teaching them how to have a mosaic um, friendships and mosaic, um, besties. And so we teach our children to love everybody, you know, and see them for who they are. And I think as parents, you know, if you're parents, if you're aunts, teach your children, put that seed in them now, because we want to create a generation that truly see people for who they are. And, and it starts with us teaching and sharing stories and showing and being an example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think when we can get the family unit back together for all yes. ethnic groups, uh, yes. we become very yeah. uh, fragmented and individual. And so when we can have those teaching moments and be able to offer an, exam an example or an illustration uh, that then helps open eyes to recognize, hey, be or be thoughtful of this. Have you considered this? And like yeah. how Jesus would ask uh, questions instead of always mm -hmm. just talking at somebody. And yes. I think that's one of the ways to convey a, um, a thought or a transmission of an idea when we are able to help cultivate creativity and interest in someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. It shows love and appreciation and unity is birthed from that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, as leaders, as, and we talk marketplace, mm -hmm. even in the marketplace, be intentional. Um, if you're at the table where decisions are being made, make sure that that table is diverse. Invite someone to the table mm -hmm. that doesn't look like you. If you're in a role where you're serving communities and you're reaching out, go into those communities and let them see the empathy and the love that you have for them. Yes. And I love how one of my good friends works at a very large church and uh -huh. she said, you know, we don't have an equal representation on the platform of that in the congregation. And the church said, that's not true. We're in such and such kind of neighborhood. And she said, can I do research? Can I show you the statistics? Uh -huh. And so apparently she did. And yeah. said, actually, our congregation is a lot more diversified than you would expect. And mm -hmm. so in a large population, they had not seen some of the very members that were in their group. And so now mm -hmm. to start hiring and platforming and placing people in yeah. positions of influence that can have a seat at the table, Absolutely. the church has become more robust and well-rounded. Um, and my church, when I was in grad school, was very intentional to have multi-ethnic so that means we might sing a song in Spanish. We might do more of an African-American gospel song. We'll do a very like, white person radio song, like <laughs> the whole like little spectrum. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. might sing in, uh, Chinese, you know, the next song. And not that everybody knows that, but it was such an intentional way. And they would pray, God, would you send? And they would look at their congregation and say, would you send somebody of this ethnic or uh, gender or background to make sure that we're being thoughtful and considerate to make sure that our pastoral staff are representing the congregation. And that's just being hospitable. That's being yeah. thoughtful that somebody who is now at a seat of influence can help represent those that are in your congregation or business yeah. or ministry yeah. or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're spot on. And that's, that's why we have to be intentional because the world is very diverse. We are, we are, are, and um, it was, it was a quote, we are a melting pot of different races and different cultures. And so we have to be intentional at work, intentional in ministry, intentional in your home that we're showing that. And, and, I believe that God, even those that are listening today, I don't think it's by chance. We are ambassadors for Christ yeah. and we cannot continue to turn a blind eye or, or deaf ear when we see there's issues. There's a lot of issues at hand from sex trafficking to domestic mm -hmm. violence, yeah. um, but race relations is one of them. And it's been around for a while. But um, when I think about Martin Luther King, he was a reverend. He was a pastor. Yeah. He was not a politician, Dr. Crawford. He did not do this for a job. He said, God told me to do this. Mm -hmm. God led me here. Yeah. And so God can use any of us. 
if we allow him to, and we can be that example for others. And he was so wise in his approach. You knew he was led by God, his peaceful response and how he brought people of different colors together. Mm -hmm. And so when God says move, we move. I remember, and I have a couple books here with me. Um, when I had an opportunity to get into the communities, I said, and really do some research on juvenile delinquency and work with law enforcement. And, and when I first started in my career, now I'm much further than that, but um, I wrote these books, it's called You Got the Power. And so, yeah, so one is You Got the Power, Unleashing the Greatness Within, um, Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Blossoming to a Beautiful Lady. And then this one is Turning Your Life Around. And so God just dropped it. He said, you know, it's not just about preaching the word of God, but it's been a, it's been an example. And so even when I wrote these books, they weren't Christian books, but we were able to put these books into schools. And if you open some of them, there's scriptures throughout without saying, it was like, you know, here's a proverb, Very you know, and God was able, yeah. And so God was able to use us. And I just want to say that to those that are listening, yeah. you have a gift that God has given you. There's a gift on the inside of you. There's purpose in you. If it's writing, if it's teaching, if it's, if it's negotiation, just say, God, how can I use my gift for your glory? Even outside of the four walls of the church, just like you use Dr. Martin Luther King, just like you use Deborah in the Bible, who was both a prophet and a judge, because God has given us compassion, unlike any other, because we love like Christ loved. Mm-hmm. He loved unconditionally. He yeah. went to those that needed him the most. And so find those ways to yeah. get the word into the hands of the right people and and be in positions, get to the positions of power, fight for the positions of power, because we need your voice, especially in this time. We need the prophets to speak. We need those that hear the voice of God to speak. And I thank God throughout my career it's brought me to places where I'm at decisions, making decisions, and I'm hearing the voice of God. It's like, at that secret, you know, a little radio on my ear and God is saying, tell them this, move them this way. And it's really breaking cycles. As one of the books said in my, my next book I have coming out, and I think I shared this with you at the women's conference. Um, I wrote books for teens. I've wrote books for women. And the Lord said, now I want you to write about the racial issue. Mm-hmm. And I heard the voice of God and I prayed about it. And so the, the book that's coming out next month that'll be on Amazon is Understanding Racial Bias erasing the lines that divide. Mm. And so I had to, again, hear the voice of God and say, God, I can be a catalyst. I can be an ambassador. This is a very sensitive topic. Yeah. This is, this requires a lot of wisdom, yeah. but he said, if you follow me, if you hear my voice, I can use you. And we have to follow the voice of God and let him use us in every arena that we're in. And when God opens those doors, go in, but don't leave him. Take yes. him Yes. Oh, so true. Yeah. So true. Um, and I think the way the world wants to do it is the arm of the flesh where it's anger and it's us against them. And there's just this really unhealthy division that the enemy thrives in. And if instead I'm saying, Lord, I may be an Esther. Some of you listening, you may be an ethnic minority in a big, big empire. You know, she was an ethnic minority and married to somebody, which not all of you are going to be married to the King, but you're in a position (laughs) that God has placed you there. And you have huge influence if you stay coy and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I was always so curious why she didn't just say immediately when he, you know, 
moved the scepter toward her, why didn't she just say her request? Because yeah. there is a strategy of how you win others over, how you honor them, how you respect them. I love how Daniel, also an ethnic minority in a large uh, government job, and yeah. how he went and bathed it in prayer. He didn't try to yeah. just, you know, here's my idea, here's what I'm going to do, yeah. and I'm going to change everybody. He so reverently carried the presence of the Lord that even when people tried to come against him. They knew his faith was the only thing they could use and God still delivered him. And it brought this radical revival to a very pagan place. So again, one person being obedient to the Lord that I just feel strongly. Some of you listening right now may feel like you're like literally by yourself in your environment. It may be in a community or a work environment. You may be a teacher or prison guard or policeman. You may be somebody that's just like, what can I possibly do to change such a large system? And yet if you like pastor Tacoa, are saying, I'm going to go with you, Lord, and I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to follow you each step of the way that he can start breathing life, reconciliation, healing, and he'll give you a strategy on how to do it. And it may seem foolish at the beginning. It may not make sense, but if you obey the voice of the Lord before you know it, he's going to put you before people that are decision makers. And it says that your gift will make room for you. And Absolutely. so the lie of the enemy is you're alone. You can't do this. There's nothing you can do. Everybody's against me. Um, and this also for white people, like everybody has responsibility to be a change agent in our environment, to usher in the presence of the Lord, to honor and love. We can't say we love God if we don't love our neighbor. So to do that well requires, Lord, how can I pray for this person? If you have somebody that's really difficult at work, one of the best strategies, instead of, you know, toe to toe or avoiding them or giving them dirty looks in return and rolling your eyes, but saying, how can I intercede for them and help? bring out the, the gold God factor in them that they may not even know is there yet. And as you honor somebody, you're helping make room for their gifts. And now these walls and this division can start coming down. Absolutely. And I love that you referenced Esther because her mentor, it was Mordecai that mm -hmm. said, she was like, I want to tell him where I'm from. And she said, and, and Mordecai say, not now, not now, because wisdom comes from those that have gone before as a mentor. She so important. Yep. And so even though she wanted to say, and she, he told her use wisdom. Wisdom is the key thing. I stay in the book of Proverbs. I stay praying. There's times my team will say, Hey, what about this? And, and if I'm not sure, I'll say, give me a couple of days to pray about it because I'd never want to respond in my emotion. Yeah. I want to respond through the spirit of God. Yeah. And you're right. There's an approach. There's a resolve to everything, but we got to get that wisdom from him. That's so good. So as we're wrapping up for today, what would be just some last things, anything on your heart to just share with our Unlock You community? Absolutely. I would just say um, to those that are listening, as we talk about the topic of racial reconciliation, know that um, even though it's uncomfortable at times and, and you may pray, how do I respond? Or maybe even don't understand mm -hmm. how to respond or why should I be responding? Or why is this a concern of mine? I would say, feel from the heart of God, yeah. hear through the voice of God and say something, even if it's God loves you. Mm. How can I help? Because no one wants to ever feel like they're fighting alone. Yeah. 
And you can be that person to help give them the strength they need to believe that God has better days ahead. And so I just want to encourage those that are listening, even though it may be sensitive or uncomfortable, if you are a Christ follower, follow the heart of God, do what Christ would do. You know, the saying when we were many years ago, WWJD, what would Jesus do in this scenario? And really follow the heart of God, because I believe that if it comes up, God has you there for a reason to bring in that soundness, that wisdom, that love that our world is missing right now. So we got to continue to be those ambassadors here on earth and respond the heaven's way. Absolutely. Good word. (laughs) And I am so excited for Unlock You to be a community that is multi-ethnic, multicultural, uh, male and female, that we're just honoring each person because you are made in the image of God. And so I just want to stand in the gap um, prophetically on behalf of anyone who has ever hurt one of you as a listener. Um, If it's been a white person to a black person or a black person to a white person or Hispanic or Asian, I just stand in the gap and the Lord wants you to know he doesn't sweep it under the rug. If you've been dishonored, if you've been marginalized, um, if you've been treated in a way that you didn't deserve um, on any side, the Lord cares about every one of our hearts. And the worst thing we could do is try to pretend that's not there and then run into solutions because then that's where we get really funky and we've got a bunch of junk and implies implicit bias and things that we haven't dealt with because it's still in the unconscious. The best thing you could do is bring that pain, the hurt, the frustration, the powerlessness. Um, and even for some white people that feel like you've been accused in a season that you're like, I haven't done anything. Why are people mad at me or, uh, men right now? Why are you mad at me? Um, and I'm just so sorry on all fronts. Every person is so precious to the Lord. And we want this to be a community where you feel safe to take off that that armor to let God heal those wounds. So we don't have that unconscious junk and blind spots that can filter out. It can cause us to have certain tones or facial expressions or choose this person over this person because of safety. If I have not felt safe with a particular people group or an individual, I can accidentally start to generalize that on other people that don't deserve that. And it happens all the time. And especially right now where tensions are really elevated on all sides Uh, The enemy is having a heyday to just divide and conquer, but you know, the goodness of God that he's coming in to bring restoration and healing. And the first thing is to let God heal your own heart. So now you can be a healing agent in your environment, your work, your community, your church, wherever you are planted, you are like pastor Tokoa said, you are an ambassador. You're an Esther or a Daniel. You are there on assignment for kingdom purpose. And there's a way that that seems right to handle it, you know, offense, bitterness, or there's a way to bring the kingdom and in his kingdom, there's righteousness, joy, and peace and love. There's honor. And I love an Isaiah where it says that he's restoring honor and dignity. And so for anyone out there that you have not had honor and people have dishonored you and they've not given dignity, I am so sorry. I repent. That is not the heart of the Lord. If that's happened to you in a church, in a school, in a workplace, I am so, so sorry. And I know my words cannot heal that, but I do want to at least vocalize that that's not God's heart. And if somebody did that and they were in a position of authority, please don't project that onto God. That is 
not his heart for you. He is for you and not against you. He is passionate for you to prosper and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And one person, just like Martin Luther King Jr., one person can change the trajectory of a whole nation. I'm also thinking of um, uh, Nikki Cruz, um, what, who led him to Christ? Um, New York, the gangs of New York. Oh, um, yes. Um, uh, Wil Wilkerson. Wilkerson. Yes, yes, yes. His father. Yes. Rick um, father. Yeah. He, this guy moves in, in the middle yeah. of gangs and terribleness. Yeah. And it's super yeah. unsafe. And yet he's able to get people that are literally shooting in the streets, killing people and get all these people super saved, super on fire for Jesus. And they become radical evangelists, kind of like Saul who became Paul. And yeah. so one person, I just want you to feel so inspired and encouraged. I want your heart to be ministered to. I want you to see someone like uh, Pastor Takoa, who's come from uh, a lot of disadvantage. My family was also sharecroppers two generations ago. So I was totally tracking with you. Uh, we yeah. were the poor Irish people that nobody wanted us here either. <laughs> um, not the same as racism, by any means, but there's some parallel. Um, and yet you could be an agent of change in your environment. Mm -hmm. And I want you to see this as a safe community where every race, every culture is so loved and so honored and celebrated because Jesus made you in his image. And we want to get the funky stuff, the bitter, the resentment, the anger, the judgments off so that we really can unlock his potential of releasing the kingdom um, on earth as it is in heaven. So thank mm -hmm. you, Pastor Tacoma. Thank you for your Thank time you. today. You. I know she said she's been going nonstop. So it's a huge privilege that she Absolutely. took time out with us. And I love you guys. Please leave a comment, share this video so it can bless more people um, and give us a little rating so that more people can find the podcast through the computer algorithm stuff. We'll see you for the next episode. Bye guys. Hey friends, thanks for listening. We would love for you to get plugged in with the Unlock You community. So follow the links below and stay up to date with upcoming content, events, and groups. We are here to invest in you and tailor episodes around your interests. Post comments, and hey, if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear about, let us know so we can strategically build content that is meaningful to you. And will you share this podcast so we can invest into more amazing people? Be sure to hit subscribe so we can see you for the next episode.